Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Media Group. I am Mags, and uh, I'm pleased to be joined again by my podcast wife, Mr. Mr. Paul Talley. Paul, how are you? I'm all right. I got you here eventually. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry to hold you up. <laughs> I'm there twiddling my thumbs thinking, where is Paul? He's gone to Nicaragua for these coffee beans. Um, <laughs> and and uh, it's been proven today, apparently, that we aren't the same person and that uh, I'm not just putting on a Welsh accent. It, was that a theory? Uh, allegedly so, according to Andy across at Bad, uh, Bang Bang. Uh, we were maybe the same person. I was just putting on a dodgy Welsh accent. See, I, I, I'm sure you you would be able to put the accent on, but you wouldn't be able to come up to my standard of picks. You can't, <laughs> well, you can't make I wouldn't that. be able to lower myself that low. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's introduce today's guest. Uh, he's one of the most interactive people on uh, wrestling uh, Twitter. Really, kind of like trying to spark uh, conversation and debate with his posts. Uh, it's Stuart Lawson. Stuart, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. Excited to, to have you on the show. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah, not, about this one. No, not a problem at all. So, yeah, like I said, you uh, you really kind of uh, try and uh, create conversations and, and, and uh, 
discourse on on uh, social media. How how are you finding that? How is that going for you? I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so basically, I've not really been in it for that long with Twitter. I only had about forty followers until September, just uh, twenty twenty there. Um, but I love discussions. I love hearing other people's opinions on things because. You know, everyone's got an opinion, and and everyone's opinion is right in their own rights. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. But we all know what Twitter is like in regards to how we can have arguments and discussions and and trolls, etc. But that's not what I'm after. I want to hear. I, I have a really weird sense of like minds, and whatever pops into my head, I want to talk about it. So my aim is just to get everyone having a nice vibe, having everyone's opinion, you know, discussed and. Uh, respected in that, and uh, and just have a laugh with it, really, because that's that's what it's all about nowadays. Yeah, I mean that's the old vibe of this show is to have discussion and debate and, and a laugh. The, the, there's been times where we've, we've literally got proper bellyache from laughing on this show. It's so fun. Uh, you've had a, a dalliance into uh, content creation. Um, is there any signs of you maybe coming back into that field? Uh, is it something that you might be looking to do, or is that is that uh, like a one and done kind of thing? I wouldn't say it's a one and done kind of thing. I was on a podcast uh, previously and I really did enjoy my time, but I just felt, you know, the direction that podcast was going, it wasn't kind of my vibe anymore. And, you know, good luck to them. But um, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing just now. Um, I am currently in discussions with other podcasts with the with the chance of me returning. Um, I, I work for the railway, so it's not easy for me to be... Uh, available every set week of the of the time, so um, mm-hmm. it'll just it'll just totally depend on what's happening. But I'm not like okay, Sean Connery said, never say never, and I'm saying the exact same thing: never say never. Um, if the right opinion, if the right option comes along, good. I'm out for it. I'm not game by any means. I'm enjoying what I'm doing just now, though, and that'll not change. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for me, the more people doing uh, content and more people getting the voice out there, the better. So. Uh, if you do decide to kind of like venture back into it, definitely uh, hit me up. I'll, I'll add you to my rotation instantly. So yeah, right. it'd be cool to to have you in this in this creation world that we're in. Yeah, um, glad to be here. So, uh, Stuart, you have never been on Badlands before. So what we like to do with our uh, first time guests is get their Mount Rushmore of their greatest wrestlers of all time and a little bit of a reason why uh, you you pick those ones and then uh, Mr. Tully, uh, the resident accountant of Badlands, can uh, can total the scores up and, and add them to the collated list. So right. who's your four guys and gals? First, firstly, fuck you for making me pick just four because that was near enough impossible. <laughs> I mean, it's off the mountain. I mean, we we have twenty on the mountain if we could. <laughs> I, I, I was genuinely about to get my like my pickaxe suit and start putting a fifth one on here, but I never did. <laughs> so what I've done is I've kind of there's there's I didn't want to duplicate things. Okay, so there are people I want to discuss later on that I've not put on my Mount Rushmore purely for that reason. I don't even want to talk yeah. about the same person twice. So the first one for me, I'm going to go in like date order if that's right with you guys. Um, first one for me has got, to be, has got to be the macho man, Randy Savage. He's number one for me on that on that Mount Rushmore. Um, and, and the reason is because my very, very first memory of wrestling was WrestleMania 7. And um, the the one match that always stands out for me is the career versus career Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage, um, and I I think I must have been about I don't know I want to say I was about nine ten so it would have been a few years after WrestleMania Seven happened, but I always remember being totally taken away by 
Randy Savage, who was the heel at that point when he came out with Sensational Sherry. But just the flamboyance of the man, he was just unbelievable. And then obviously looking further back, the Steamboat match with WrestleMania 3, um, you know, I'd I, I done a few facts on him last night as well, and he was, he was only one of 10 people to hold the title for 365 days, the WWF or WWE title. But I didn't know he was only one of two people, along with um, Morales, to hold the world and Intercontinental title for more than 365 days. So that just shows you how much of a legend he is. Um, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know. I thought it was, it was weird that Pedro Morales, Morales sorry, and, uh, and Savage are the only two that have done it. Wow. Match all they ever held the Intercontinental title one time as well, and he's so linked with that title. It's it's amazing that he just had that one run. Yeah, totally. But I mean, going going back to like he retired obviously with uh, with in WrestleMania Seven, but then going forward, he done the the Jake the Snake Roberts angle with the snake biting him in the arm. You know that's iconic. I mean, and then his WCW run. He wasn't finished after WWE. He wanted to do more, and he went over to WCW and done remarkably well over there. Just, I felt wherever he was, he, he just he was a macho man. You couldn't keep your eyes off him. So that's number one. That's number one for me. Well, we we've literally just covered all that run of uh, from um, uh, '99 uh, into 1991 on uh, another podcast that we Paul uh, that uh, that 90s wrestling podcast. We've been looking at all the pay per views and Jake and uh, Macho Man was li- were literally the stars of all that kind of uh, period. Uh, really, kind of stood out. So yeah, it's a great pick. Yeah, they yeah. own that year. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, he was just—he was so flamboyant, and he was just even like at uh, SummerSlam '92, where he had the second Ultimate Warrior match. He was just everything. He was fucking brilliant. So, next one for me has got to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, Darren, you, you killed me, mate, by telling me that you were being blocked by the match. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you the tale. I will <laughs> tell you this tale. I am a, I'm a massive Stone Cold fan. When I was at the heart of my wrestling fandom, he was my boy. Um, but I was on, um, I was tagged in a in a thread on Twitter, uh, and the conversation got to pegging. Now I don't know if you know what pegging is. I don't know what pegging is. I like. well, okay. Uh, I'm not going to explain it. If you want to find it, <laughs> listeners, go and Google it. Uh, but <laughs> Stone Cold was Google it was not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Stone Cold was tagged in that thread as well, so he just mass blocked everybody in. in in that thread, and I got I got a block for it. Uh, yeah, so my one of my wrestling heroes blocked me because of something <laughs> I was not involved in. Uh, how how did it him. possibly come to be that Stone Cold got got tagged in that uh, in that phrase? Graham Bagshaw snitched. No, He's, he did. Well, I, I'm going to tell you. I was like, you. You'll know that about my, my my Twitter. I was looking at things positively. <laughs> Stone Cold has went into your account. To block you, think yeah. of it that way. And, well, yeah, in, in New York was for that for that one second in New York was. <laughs> I mean, I've also been blocked by CM Punk, and I still to this day have no idea why because I have never spoke about him on wrestling Twitter <laughs> until after he blocked me. And then I just call him a cunt all the time. <laughs> so, so going back to my, my my second pick, I've got to be Stone Cold Steve Austin because I mean I was looking at Stone Cold and you think he was good. He wasn't great. He was good. I always think that. And then I watch him, I think, nah, the boy was fucking amazing. You know, like, for someone to be not really... I probably get heat for saying this, but I don't see him as a full-time wrestler because, obviously, the injury that he had, a lot of it was more of a on-the-mic skills. 
and it just shows you how good he was because he was always at the main event. He was always top of the top of the tree, um, but didn't have to be in the ring to do that. You know, he was just he just created this whole aura about him, and he he had, in my opinion, the best two rivalries there is going to be in professional wrestling. I don't think anyone's going to top those two rivals between The Rock and um, and Vince McMahon. Um, so he's had, he also he's had like obviously the most iconic moments as well, like you know the beer truck when he came to the ring with that, the Mike Tyson flip off, um, the Austin three sixteen, you know, um, King of the Ring speech, um, when he, when he held the the gun to Vince McMahon's head and he says Mick Austin three sixteen says I just pissed your pants, uh, the DX Express, I could go on, I could go on. The guy was just phenomenal, you know, and I I generally don't think of anyone who's had. The two pops that really, really stick to my head are the pop where he came out at um, the June, uh, January third, nineteen ninety nine or ninety eight, when um, when Mick uh, Foley won the title off the Rock. You know the famous, you know that's going to put butts on seats. That pop was just incredible, and the one that people forget about quite a lot is Backlash two thousand when uh, Triple H lost the title to The Rock. He came back after being away for such a long time. Um, that was an incredible. He came up with a steel chair and smashed Pat Patterson. Rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Jared Briscoe, McMahon's, Triple H, everything. Just, the guy was just the guy was just you know he was just money. You know what I mean? He was just so cool. Everyone wanted to be him. And I think what also gets kind of like lost in the shuffle with Austin is how versatile he was. I mean, you remember back when he was in WCW, it was um, a half, almost a half flyer wrestler. Uh, yeah. Comes to WWE and he was the the kind of like cold stone faced killer. Then he was the the anti hero, and then he was the comedy guy. Uh, yeah, he had so many strings to his bow, and in such a, a, a compact career in 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 the top of the card at, at, at WWF. Yeah, it's a, a great pick, and it's a, it's it's amazing that such a short run, and yet thirty years on, we're still calling him one of the best. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And it, it, it adapting as well because he was he was he was a wrestler, a technical wrestler in WCW, and became more of a brawler due to the the broken neck. It just again goes to show with the, the versatility of the of the man. Yeah, absolutely, great second pick. So third is his partner in crime, The Rock. I've got to put him in there. Um, I mean, and and it, right off the bat of what you said, there, Darren, regarding um, such a short period of time, The Rock was only in wrestling for six and a half years, and that's from like Rocky Maivia all the way to Hollywood Rock. But you think he was there for like decades because he was such a he was such a high character, he was such a big personality in regards to, you know, what where he was at the top of the list. Um what here's a question for you though. See when I say Rock as a champion, how do you what championship do you think of him with? Um well I'd, you'd say the world town, uh because he yeah. was on the top of the, the card so much. But I think he was more of an intercontinental level champion, yeah. wasn't he? Because if you take if you take away his um, run that he had um, when he beat CM Punk at, at Royal Rumble, I think that was seventy four days. He actually had the IC title more than he had the WWE title because he had such short. But you always remember him with that title. I mean, but, that's it, that's the same with Austin. To be fair, I mean, he only yeah. had one relatively long run, uh, and it and it kind of shows that they didn't need the title. They didn't no. need to have the title. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, but then you also think of The Rock. Is there, is there anybody better than him on the mic than The Rock? I, I can't, I, I genuinely, there isn't anyone better than him, you know. 
And the guy, I genuinely put The Rock as the greatest person that can be babyface and heel and be equally as good on both sides of the spectrum there. Because it doesn't matter if he was a heel, it doesn't matter if he was a, a babyface, he was always on top of his game. You've got other people like Triple H, for instance, who was an absolute fantastic heel. He was a good babyface, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a great... He was, more, he was better as a heel, sorry, than he was as a face, whereas The Rock was equally as good on both sides of it. So that's my third one. Yeah, great pick. I mean, it's, I still go back and watch his uh, Dear Billy uh, promo. That's just <laughs> one of the, the most comical things I've ever seen in wrestling. It's so good. Or the, was it not the, the, the Toronto one where he, was it Toronto where he done the rock concert near the end at the Hollywood? Yeah, uh, was it, no, was it not Sacramento? Was it Sacramento? I was Sacramento. I think the... He had a point, though, Sacramento. Was, was the Toronto one not where he sung the 12 Days of Christmas to test? Possibly. Possibly, right eye. But yeah, that's what I mean, though. He was just, he was just great regardless. Yeah, I mean, you, you can grab off dozens of his, uh, of his mark skills. I mean, and, and he wasn't a slouch in the ring as well. No. He, he could still sell a, a match. I mean, the match oh, with Morgan... He was the greatest Stone Cold Stunner seller in the world. Yeah, I mean, oh, the match Scott Hall had sorry, but Scott Hall had one good sell. The Rock had a catalogue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the 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 match with Hogan at WrestleMania 18 will stand out to me as one of the greatest things that's ever happened at WrestleMania. Totally agree, and you got to look at that match as well. In the first two three minutes, they were just looking at the crowd, and the crowd was just on fire the whole way. You know, I genuinely felt sorry for. Was it no? Um, it was. Was it Jericho Triple H that followed Jericho that? Triple H, yeah. yeah. I felt sorry for them because I think Jericho's openly said that he was like, "I fucking hate this because how can you top that match?" Because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a five star match, but it was just such a good match. It, it should have gone on last. Yeah, it it's insane. It wasn't a main event. Yeah, I know. Madness. Totally. So, who's your last pick then, sir? Last, last one is is, is John Cena. And 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 it's, it's it was a weird one for me because you could have looked at Taker, you could have looked at HBK, Bret Hart, all the rest of it. But see, when you look at John Cena, he's someone that you think of um, when he was there. You think, oh, I had to put a tweet about this yesterday. I think it was that when he was around at the time, you're thinking, Christ sake, is that John Cena again? But now that he's gone and you're looking back, you think, Jesus Christ, how good was he actually there? Because arguably the PG is the hardest era anyone's ever had in WWE because of how limited you were to what you could do and what you could say whereas John Cena carried that whole that whole era Smackdown and Raw I would in my opinion on his back and brought them through and um, again we're talking about Mike skills with The Rock I think John Cena's up there he's not as good as The Rock but he, when you put a mic in John Cena's hand you know he, I always remember the Roman Reigns um, face off that they had where uh, he absolutely destroyed Roman Reigns to the point you're actually watching it with like your hands in front of your face and you're thinking, oh, yeah, is he really taking this? Because John Cena killed him on the mic. Um, and another thing as well about John Cena is everyone talks about like the five moves of the five moves of Cena or the six moves of Cena. When he wanted to go, he could go. I always remember um, the, the uh, one, one Night Stand 2006 ECW where he fought against Rod Van Dam. That was a great match. Cena really took it you know, to the, to the absolute highest standard there. And also the same with CM Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. You know, that was absolutely, that was a five-star match, which shows you how good it was. Um, so uh, John Cena, and, and, and obviously with the whole uh, being hated 
um, for being such a baby face. A lot of people would crumble under that, but it just shows you the mentality of John Cena, that he thrived on that and he worked on that and it worked so well, you know, with the let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Um, so, yeah, I, I realise I've, I've kind of rambled on a bit here, but there we go, that's my that's my, that's my Mount Rushmore. I'm happy with that. It's a, it's an absolutely stellar Mount Rushmore. Uh, four huge personalities, four, uh, and all of them have got one thing in common, how good they were on the mark and how good they were yeah. at, at connecting with audiences. Um, yes, I think they're four stellar picks. Thank you. Very, very, very strong Rushmore. Uh, Mixed fingers up at the top because for the first time ever, Stone Cold has the same amount of votes as Ric Flair. Wow. So Ric Flair has been our front runner, I mean, ever since we started doing this. And he's finally been caught by someone and that person, Steve Austin. And we've got John Cena is kind of hunting down The Undertaker and Chris Jericho now to be the best of the rest. So wow. he's a, he's only what three behind Chris Jericho now, and again that gap was was massive previously. So we still got still got the same four: Ric Flair, The Rock, Steve Austin, and Hulk Hogan. But Cena's hunting them down. Good. Uh, and how is the Badland Screw Job going on? Badland Screw Job is remains untouched at thirteen apiece. <laughs> Shawn Michaels thirteen, Bret Hart thirteen. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, um, Stuart, there were uh, that was a stellar uh, Mount Rushmore. So let's get into this main topic. Um, yes. It was actually told to me today that uh, by Paul that we'd we'd actually covered this topic before, uh, and I had absolutely no recognition of it whatsoever. Uh, but I went back and checked <laughs> my I checked my uh, like notes from from previous episode, and I've literally gone with. Pretty much exactly the same pick, so I must have had it. Uh, so you've like, done no work for this, then. So you've done no work for this. So you've came in late and you've got no work at all for this. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I told you in the DMs I'd done 1800 <laughs> words for this one. My original one was like 700, so I've gone way in depth on this one. Uh, but, um, I, I picked different the last time, but I, I was, do, I was I doing my research earlier. You've gone one, one different. I was doing my research earlier. I was thinking, I'm sure I've written all of this before. <laughs> Getting really strong deja vu, but but unlike deja vu, it just wasn't going away. And, uh, I mean, we've done, what, 110 episodes now, I think. So yeah. it, it's the first it's time we've ever like, clashed like this, I suppose. I mean, that's a good excuse, but we only did it about two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is horrific. That is horrific. But no, there's so many. There's so many of these that that you can. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There was one this week. We could easily have brought up the one that happened this very uh, week. Yeah. yeah. For, co- for context, we're talking about uh, Big Shaw and his uh, monumentous move to AEW. What a shot across the bow that is. What? By the way, that's a huge move. I, I was saying, I've obviously seen it on my Twitter. I, I think it's a great move for his AW mm-hmm. because um, it's the name. You know, it's a it's a WW. Okay, it was WCW, but he's been in WWE for how long now? Twenty four years. Uh, going for him, to, and you would never have thought that he would move over. Never no. in a million years. Yeah, I thought he was a laugher. I honestly thought he'd be a, a producer or a road agent, something like that. But it's just, uh, just, I mean, AEW, I think, in my opinion, AEW doing everything right right now. I really do. I think, uh, you know, they're getting everyone talking. Whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. They're getting everyone talking and they're getting everyone interested in the product. It was number one trending across the world within a minute of it happening, so it's absolutely the right thing to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the big show. Yeah, uh, well, the big show on AEW were, were number one trending, yeah, in the world. Wow. And then and then Mick Foley tagged some uh, cow and beef SMT. <laughs> that was brilliant. That's what I said. AW says yes to independence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so on that note, let's go into your first pick then, Stuart. Uh, who's your? What's your first wrestling defection? So what I've done here is I've kind of looked at it in regards to either what they've done since the move or what they've done for the move, that makes sense. So my number one, and this is why I wasn't in my Mount Rushmore, my number one is Hulk Hogan moving to WCW. Um, I, I, you, you could speak to anybody, it doesn't matter if they're a wrestling fan or not, everyone knows who WC, Everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is. Your grandma knows who Hulk Hogan is. You know, He was just, at that time as well, he was the biggest name arguably in the world along with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stavis alone, in my opinion anyway. Again, he was obviously such a, a huge WWF name. You know, obviously, what was he? Seven-time, six-time uh, champion, headlined numerous WrestleManias. Um, for, so for him to retire, retire as such, um, that famous word in wrestling, and then for, obviously, Ted Turner to bring over WCW and then bring in Hulk Hogan was an absolute massive move. You know, he legitimised, in my opinion, WCW. He made them a, a force to be reckoned with before it was really even off the bat. You know, obviously they had a previous background with uh, Jim Crockett promotions and, and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, they really made them a mainstream, you know, television programme just by having Hulk Hogan there. Um, and, and what I have to say is WCW, they, they worked with them brilliantly. You know, um, the first match they ever had was um, against Ric Flair for the WCW title. You know, that was a, a, a match that should have been in WWF territory. That should have been WrestleMania. But for some reason, they they, they let Randy Savage 
uh, go against Flair, which was a great match, don't get me wrong, but everyone wanted to see Ric Flair against Hulk Hogan because it was like a Muhammad Ali against Mike Tyson. You know, it was one of these um, dream matches that everyone wanted to see. And for them not to do it was just stupid, in my opinion. But, again, the reason I've put him there is because of what he'd done. Uh, he obviously... He, whether it was sole purpose was to piss McMahon off and really make him, you know, uh, buried under the under the bankruptcy or whatever, he did a really good job at trying to do that because, obviously, with the whole heel turn, the greatest heel turn in professional wrestling, in my opinion, you know, that'll never be rectified. It'll never be um, duplicated. It was just it was just a total wow factor when he moved to the NWO, and then moving forward, what he done with the NWO, you know, you know, he, he was he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic, um, and 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 my obviously my biggest memory of him as well is the Goldberg match at um, Georgia Atlanta uh, in the dome against uh, Goldberg, sorry, on, on Nitro where he dropped the title to him. That was one of the best ever free television matches I think that's ever happened. Not in regards to the match itself, but to the star standard and and to really you know the whole electricity of it. And and yeah, I have to put Hulk Hogan number one in my Mount Rushmore for moving over. Yeah, so um, it's an obvious pick. I mean, it's it's one that I actually haven't uh, put on either my original research or this research. But I, I totally get why you you have a. It was a massive, massive move and. Um, it legitimized uh, WCW. It's as simple as yeah. that. It, it made them uh, made those kind of like disenfranchised fans stand up and and, and think, "Wow, this is big." Um, but not yeah. only just that, sorry, as well by having the name of Hulk Hogan in your roster, that brought over your Lex Luger's, your Randy Savages, your you know your Nasty Boys, and all these other people as well, because they thought, "Well, if Hulk Hogan's there, that must be a legit program. Let's go over and let's see what's happening over there." Yeah, and and he was uh, he was very much um, integral to that because he 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 knew he could work with these people. He knew that they were safe, and he could he he, he played a big hand in bringing a lot of those people in. Uh, and it's interesting you mentioned about the um, the Ric Flair match. Um, we like I said we've been covering that whole era on a, on another podcast, and the plans for WWE uh, when Ric Flair came over. Was to have that match, uh, yeah. but they, they tried it in the in the house shows, and it, it apparently went over like a basically like a fart in church. So uh, that's why the the, the plans changed, and and um, it, they went with a macho man over over Hogan. But yeah, it's a, a great pick. It's a fantastic pick. I, th- I, th- I think I put it on last time, if I if I remember rightly, because um, it, it is just a it's a it's a momentum shifter. Yeah. But not good enough to put in this one, though. <laughs> like, oh, I, like I said, I try to challenge myself and go, I go, for, go for, um, go, go, go for different picks this time. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's my turn to go first this week, Paul, and I might as well uh, use the the one that I didn't mention uh, last episode. Um, so let's go back to 1999, uh, and in that period, WCW was. Very, very political. It was a quite a hard place to work if you weren't a big star. You didn't have creative control. Um, if you were on the undercard, you were kept down. You were frustrated. You struggled to to get your uh, to get your name on on pay per views. Um, and around this time, WCW started to offer uh, wrestlers who were not happy uh, their uh, unequivocal releases. Uh, and one of the first people to take that offer up was uh, Scott Levy, uh, also known as Raven. Uh, he went back to, to his uh, stomping grounds of ECW. But this move inspired 
a group of people to all uh, conspire to jump ship at the same time. So you had Chris Benoit, you had Dean Malenko, you had Perry Saturn, and you had Eddie Guerrero all defecting to the WWF in one fell swoop. So at the time of, of their their move, Benoit was actually the the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He, he just won the vacant title by beating um, Sid Vicious at Sold Out. Uh, but um, the truth behind that was the uh, the head booker Kevin Sullivan uh, decided to to give Benoit the title as a kind of like a, a peace offering. Uh, and then attempt to keep him in, in WCW because those two had been uh, at each other's throats for, for months over uh, Kevin Sullivan uh, thinking that um, Benoit was having an affair with, with his wife, Nancy, which he ended up actually having an affair and they would end up getting married. Um, so on, on Nitro, it was actually stated that Benoit's title win was, was not valid because Sid had his foot under the ropes. But if you check the WWE record books, it's actually uh, the title win still stands and Ben White's recognised as the WCW champion. So the four guys appeared on uh, on Raw uh, January 31st, 2000. They were there as the guests of Mick Fawler uh, and they were quickly involved in a storyline where they were trying to win uh, contracts and they had to face off uh, different members of DX uh, in a series of matches. So you had Malenko, he faced X-Pac, he lost uh, after a low blow. You had Guerrero and Saturn, uh, who lost to the New Age Outlaws. And then you had uh, Chris Benoit, who, who lost uh, to Triple H, even though he had uh, Triple H tapping to the crossface. Uh, but the ref, unfortunately, was unconscious. Uh, but these performances uh, meant that the WWE were willing to give them a, a contract and, and they all uh, ended up having various levels of uh, success in the in the the, uh, the WWE. Uh, Saturn would be a hardcore champion, a European champion. He also would find love in the WWE with uh, with Moppe. <laughs> uh, then you had Malenko, who was kind of like the fixture in the lightweight division. Uh, he then transitioned to a backstage role and now obviously works uh, heavily with AEW. And then you had Eddie and Chris, who ended up both being world champions at, at WWE. And then, obviously, the famous uh, WrestleMania moment where uh, they both were champions at the same time. Um, unfortunately, uh, they, they both weren't long for the earth and uh, passed away soon after Eddie from uh, acute heart failure from the years of, uh, of abuse and, uh, and sub, uh, alcohol abuse and substance abuse that had caught up with him uh, despite him having a, a, a significant lifestyle change. And then, obviously, Benoit was in way more gruesome circumstances uh, with the the double murder suicide, uh, but yeah, my first pick is uh, 1999 and uh, the the defection of the radicals. So is that that's your Mount Rushmore finish then? <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, by the way, that that's a great shout. But I have to also say that um, what an entrance they had, what a debut. You know, they're sitting in the front row with, with Road Dog as well, and they got in a scrap with the Road Dog. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, Road Dog uh, hit. I think Road Dog hit Saturn. That's right. And uh, yeah, and and <laughs> I'd play Saturn with the mop, man. That was brilliant, man. That was all because he had a. Was that not because someone gave him a potato and he went fucking rage? Yeah, uh, a guy called a, a jobber called Matt Bell. Uh, uh, he strung on who saw Perry Saturn went in a bit heavy. Uh, so Vince gave him mop, and it, and it absolutely worked until Raven. <laughs> 
until Raven and, and Terry Runnels uh, fed him through a wood chipper. Fed her through a wood chipper. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a great pick. And for me, it's kind of... It's, it's, it's linked to the, the Hulk Hogan pick that Stewart made in that it kind of symptomatic of where WCW went wrong because they started really going for the big names who were at the end of their career uh, and letting go amazing talent and say what you like about Vince. I don't buy into this bullshit. He hasn't got an eye for talent. He's got an amazing eye for talent. And, uh, and he was, he was taking WCW's best talent for the next, you know, as you say, Eddie and Chris Benoit, unfortunately, um, what happened happened, but, um, but they would have had long careers after that. Chris Jericho obviously had a very long career. Um, they, they basically, Vince basically pulled the rug out from under them by, by taking talent like that. And, and, and it really went full circle. That Between Stewart's first pick and my first pick, that's yeah. the, the kind of boom period of WCW in a nutshell. Yeah. I totally agree with you. That's the rise and fall of WCW right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't need to watch DVD, guys. We just listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but apparently, they got um, they got their no com- no compete clause um, overturned because uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone who works high up in WCW threatened Eddie Guerrero with a knife, and oh, wow. and Eddie Guerrero reported it, and uh, and they were able to get. Get their no compete clause taken out and uh, and, and appear for WWF straight away. Well, they were also um, they were meant to be bringing um, uh, Shane Douglas with them, and they all conspired to not bring Shane Douglas. So it, it, it didn't only just get screwed by uh, the clique and 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 that group, but also the radicals didn't really want much to do with him. <laughs> no wonder he hates WWE. Yeah. <laughs> Would they have came back as Dean? That's my only question. Or would they came as Shane? <laughs> <laughs> we need to do a Mount Rushmore of, uh, of nearly men one day. Pe- people who are on the cusp of greatness but never quite <laughs> got dropped the last a, minute. You, Pete Best. You need, fucking, you need a fucking series of that. No one episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stuart, let's go to you, sir. For your, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, Paul. Is that staying on our Mount Rushmore? Are you going to oh, yeah. show Paul Vito? Great pick. I love it. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Stuart, let's go to Sophie on second pick. Okay, so my second pick is going to 2006. Um, we, my Alexis just came on. I'm fucking weird though. Um, so <laughs> uh, to, to, 2006, uh, just after the, the new ECW um, was arised, um, a certain uh, Olympic gold medalist was um, very open in regards to what he was um I don't know. Have you seen? Have you seen the Stone Cold um, Broken Skull with Kurt Angle? Uh, I don't think I've seen it yet. So um, basically, um, Vince McMahon, I think it was the Marine, was supposed to be to Kurt Angle, and uh, he was obviously looking forward to that because it'll give him a break so he can recover and all the rest. Obviously, they eventually went to to um, John Cena. But I, I'm using I'm using Kurt Angle moving to TNA. Um, uh, as my as my next one, uh, and and the reason behind that is um, is what he did for uh, TNA. So at the time, obviously in two thousand and six, the roster consisted of like your Road Dogs, Billy Gunn, Team Three D, Jeff Hardy, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, and Sting, 
all massive names, but I genuinely believe that Kurt Angle was the first WWE person to move over because you could argue that about Road Dogg and Billy Gunn, but the way they left and Jeff Hardy as well with what was going on in his personal life, you obviously knew why they were no longer with with the WWE. Um, but Kurt Angle was a massive change. You know, obviously they had Sting and like I say, and, and Steiner and Nash and, and Team 3D was where a very, very powerful names in the, in the wrestling world. But the, the, the pop that Kurt Angle got when he um, came up with uh, uh, the USA flag and the music hit him was just absolutely incredible. And I genuinely believe that TNA at that moment was recognised as the second company uh, in the world, whereas previously they were kind of still looked upon as the NWA indie type um, company, whereas with Kurt Angle being there, it solidified them as a proper, you know, a, a proper uh, company. Because uh, I genuinely believe that Kurt Angle was the best in the world at that point in in in, in terms of uh, wrestling ability, and I, I I think he's absolutely one of the best he's ever been. Um, and his best years were with TNA. Everyone remembers him WWE, but I genuinely think his best years of wrestling were with uh, TNA, and, and what he done there was absolutely amazing. And like I say, he made TNA a force, and not only that, what else he done? He he, he moved. He kind of uh, had the. Leverture to to let TNA go to like and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you remember, uh, Kurt Angle came back with the IWGP title. He, built, he took off Brock Lesnar. Was it, yeah. Did he take off Brock Lesnar? He took off yeah. Brock Lesnar, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, whether it, whether it was a real one or not is is another question. <laughs> I think that was an Oki's one, but that's 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 another by the by. Um, but what I mean by that is he he genuinely did make TNA such a big force, uh, and he was there. For so long, and he turned eyes massively on that one. And I genuinely, I always remember. I genuinely remember the time when Kurt Angle turned up on TNA, and I thought, "Holy shit, this is a this is a company." Because at the moment, they were they were making a buzz, they were doing well, they were, you know, they were there thereabouts. But I thought that was having having Kurt Angle and Sting on that roster really solidified them as the second company. Yeah, it's uh, another great pick, and uh, a lot of people don't realize it. That Kurt spent more of his wrestling career actually in TNA than he, he did in yeah. WWE, um, yeah. and I still remember the uh, when he was the belt collector, he was literally every champion in in TNA. And if if that happened now, it it looked ridiculous that one person had all the titles. But in TNA at that time, it looked legitimate because Kurt was a wrestling machine. Hundred um, percent. And the more surprising thing, and the, and and for for me, it just shows how good he was. He was battling um, like painkiller addiction and a yeah. broken neck at that time, and was still putting on like the, the best wrestling in the world. It's just a, yeah, he's, he's, a, a he's broken, an absolute machine with a broken freaking neck. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that was that, that was a shocker when he went to, when when he went to TNA because he, he's at, he's at his peak. Yeah, we, we talked at the opening of the show about about kind of a big show going to AEW. This was, this was that that decade's kind of Moxley to AEW. Yeah, because it, it wasn't someone at the toilet of their career. He was he was peak, like you say, doing the best stuff of his career. And and, uh, and for them, for a, a kind of company who's seen as like an indie type one, to 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 a, to, a, to, a, to have somebody like that on the roster, I genuinely thought it, it turned a lot of heads. There's no question about that. It made a lot of eyes go on to that product. With what they've done with it, that's another conversation, but, you know, I genuinely thought it, it gave them a real, real good chance at, you know, making something of it. Yeah. Do you, do you know the reason he left? Yeah, it was you not know, because he wanted to take a break because of, uh, it was, it was because addiction. of addiction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, addiction. 
suppose was he wanted to take a break from WWF. Yeah, he had, well, to, he had to Vince for, for his release, uh, and he said to Vince, yeah, I, I, I do want to come back. I just need some time off, and uh, Vince granted him, and, and then he went to TNA. And it was because he never got the Marine job, because with him, if he was getting the Marine film, he would have been off TV for 12 weeks, something, and he thought that yeah. would be enough time to yeah. recover and come back full steam. Yeah. And but because John Cena got it, he was like, "No, nah, fuck that! I need to go." Yeah. Marine, the Marine was part of Punk's reasons for leaving as well, wasn't it? It's more trouble than it's worth that movie. Punk, Punk's got a lot of fucking issues. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly the same. He, he was promised it, and then they gave it to the Miz. So well, that Marine three, uh, to be fair, they done him a favor. They done him a favor. Fuck knows what number it was. <laughs> He, it, it was either going to be the Marine 3 or his UFC career. Both of them were a fucking disaster. There's no other point. <laughs> I mean, when you when Ken Kennedy is the Marine before you're the Marine, uh, you want to you want to like consider whether you're in the right company, I suppose. Yeah. I don't think you really want to be the Marine. I mean, how many Marines have they been in WWE? Randy Orton was the Marine once. Kennedy, um, yes. Cena, Miz. Well, was Jesus Ted Kennedy one as well? Yeah, he was. I think he was, yeah. Austin wasn't a Marine, was he? What was Austin? He's the Condemned. The Condemned. <laughs> movie, that is, by the way. Vinny Jones. Oh, by the way. Yeah, um, but another great pick. Um, Tolle, your first pick. Right then. I'm going to go for Mr. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> to WCW. <laughs> but not to WCW. TNA. Um, no, not the TNA. It's it's amazing how many Hulk Hogan's you could you could put in, but I'm going for Hulk Hogan from AWA to WWF. Yeah, because it was an absolute monumental clanger by AWA, and it was the making of WWF. Um, it was huge um, to to kind of create WWF as it is today. Um, so Hogan he, he had a he had a brief period with with WWF um, previously. Um, which didn't really go anywhere, and then he left. Did a bit of time in New Japan, and then obviously his big, his big Hollywood break came when uh, he was cast as Thunderlips in Rocky Free in 1981. Now apparently, this uh, Vince Senior was in charge of WF back then, and he he was not interested in crossover mainstream appeal at all. He thought it opened up the business too much and gave too much away, so it kind of killed Hogan's chances of going back to WF dead. But AWA saw um, saw the potential in it um, and brought him in for the kind of again for, for that crossover appeal and for and for, for the kind of um, publicity it would generate. Um, so he went to AWA very quickly. Obviously, he'd been in the film, so he was already immensely popular, and he very quickly became the top babyface and started to already started to generate that kind of Hulkamania vibe that would go on to become kind of legendary. But um, Although AWA were were keen to harness that marketing power of Hulk Hogan, um, they were led at the time back by Vern Vern Gagne, and he was a he's a traditionalist uh, who who believed the best wrestler should be at the top of the company, um, and that kind of manifested himself as he was top of the company for a long long time. <laughs> um, and when he retired, he handpicked um, Nick Bockwinkle to succeed him and do much the same. He thought he's the best wrestler in the company. And he, so he should hold the title majority of the time. And so what will follow is something that I, I think is kind of unthinkable, really, if, if you think if you put a modern day wrestling context on it. But 
they never made Hulk Hogan the world champion. Despite how popular he was, he went into a series series of, of matches with with uh, with Bockwinkle, and every single one would would end in a, a DQ or a screwy finish. Um, there was one that Hulk Hogan won, only for it to be um, overturned uh, several days later by the by the management. So, so even though he was far and away their the, the best, the, the most um, the most valuable star. Um, he just could, they just wouldn't make him world champion because he because he wasn't the best wrestler. So um, while this is going on, uh, the WWF passes to to Vince Junior, who, as we know, loves the crossover appeal and loves the mainstream appeal, and that's very much his thing, and that's the direction he wanted to take WWF. Um, so he capitalized on Hulk Hogan's frustration, and uh, in 1983 he signed him. Um, like I say taking away AWA's biggest star and and and, and very quickly creating WWF's biggest star, and and then Hogan would kind of him leaving. You you said when he went to WCW, yeah, a lot of talent followed him. Similar here, um, as the years went by, a lot of talent followed followed Hogan from AWA to to WF, including Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, um, and really kind of again pulled the rug away from under underneath AWA. And we don't need to talk about what Hulk Hogan did once he got to WWF. Um, he, he he became the Hulk Hogan we kind of remember. And uh, so I'm going to go for that Hulk Hogan defection. But like you said, it's amazing. You could pick his WCW one. You could pick his TNA one. You could pick his defection to NWO. It, it, it's just every, every every move he made was money. earth shattering and money. Yeah, money. Yeah. It's a great pick. It absolutely is a great pick. Uh, it just goes to show. I mean, Hogan gets a lot of grief now, and and rightly so. Is a uh, is um, politics and his and his kind of uh, attitude. He gets all the grief that he should get. But in terms of creating buzz and being the biggest star in wrestling, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, he, he knew how to how to make money for himself, and he knew how to make big moves. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite right that he's on this uh, this Mount Rushmore, at least once anyway. <laughs> so you agree with that? Yeah, it's staying on, it's staying on. So let's go to you, Stuart, for your third okay. pick. So mine is going, and it's kind of the same term of what I've went with WCW Hulk Hogan. I'm going to go with Chris Jericho AEW. Now I could go Chris Jericho WWE, which is what I thought you were going with, Dan, originally. Um, but I'm I'm taking Chris Jericho AEW and and I'm, and and the reason is I genuinely genuinely believe that AEW would not be the name power it is today if it wasn't for Chris Jericho. A lot of the hardcore wrestling, the majority of hardcore wrestling fans know Kenny Omega. They know the Young Bucks. They know what Cody Rhodes has done since leaving WWE. But your mainstream people didn't. They don't know really who Kenny Mega is, you know. They don't know who the Young Bucks are, but everyone knows who Chris Jericho is. And for him to sign and 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 to do the the announcement in Florida, you know, it was just it, it was something that I didn't think I would see. Again, we're talking like the Big Show going to AEW. In a million years, you would never have thought Chris Jericho would leave WWE, let alone sign for another company outside of America, let alone inside of America. But I I genuinely feel that. Chris Jericho has been one of those people who has always kept up with the times. He's always changed his gimmick. He's always changed the way he is, and and it works so well. Um, 
the Alpha Club Chris Jericho is by far my favourite Chris Jericho. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just thought he was just totally badass. I don't know if it's because he got the leash taken off him and he could do what the hell he wanted to. He had so much free reign. But the whole Kenny Omega build-up for New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 13, was it? Or 12? One of them, whichever. Uh, I, I loved it. I, it was something I hadn't seen from Chris Jericho before. You know, just the whole aggression coming out of him and that. And it might be it might be because I got to meet him at that time. Yes, I met Chris Jericho, all the best, you know, happy days. Um genuinely nice guy. But uh I, I genuinely genuinely feel that if it wasn't for Chris Jericho signing for AEW, they would not be where they are right now. Um and and also to put the belt on him as a first champion made total sense <laughs> because he legit made AW a force to be reckoned with, like I said previously with Hulk Hogan at WCW. By putting a belt on Chris Jericho, it got so many eyes on them, it got so much buzz. Um it all kind of it was all in the first one, wasn't it, in Chicago, where he dressed up as Pentagon and, and the lights yeah. came up and, and he it was him. Things like that. It was just it, he had he had this ability to just make the smallest thing a, a fireworks show. People say now that Chris Jericho's finished. No, he's not. He's not finished. He's just, I don't know. He, he had little mistakes, but he's got to remember he's 49 year old. You know, he's not a spring chicken, but he's still at the top of his game at the way he is now. And AEW wouldn't be, you wouldn't have got a John Moxley. You wouldn't have got, you know, um, the, the, the Jack Swagger or Jack Hager or whatever. You wouldn't got all these people if it wasn't for Chris Jericho because he made people believe that AEW could turn heads and they have. That's my third pick. Yeah, and I, I don't think that the, the true kind of uh, gravitas of, of Jericho's move to AW has even been realised yet because what he's doing with the younger stars, helping like, build them as characters, yeah. I mean, uh, Orange Cassidy, MJF, Sammy Guevara, um, Darby Allen, all got the rub from working with Chris Jericho. And I honestly think he would be back in WWE. I think Vince, yeah. he would be one of those people who Vince would take back... Uh, with and open arms. Yeah, um, well, that's, I a think, rumble. that's a Royal Rumble entrance, by the way, right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so it is a great pick, and, it, and it, it did exactly what you said. It legitimised AEW as, we're not here to mess about. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a big, big force in wrestling. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure AEW happens if Chris Jericho doesn't go to New Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I, fight, I, I'll fight Kenny I, Omega. I agree. Because yeah. uh, that whole yeah that that captured a lot of people's imagination and it got um, it captured Chris Jericho's imagination by captured Chris Jericho's imagination yeah definitely and um, I've forgotten his name the the Impact guy the the manager Callis Callis it got him involved and he 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 kind of was he was a a marketing force behind all that because um, like you said uh, the hardcores they know who. Kenny Omega is and the Bucks are. I love Kenny Omega. I think he's fantastic. <laughs> there you go. But Jericho is a level above them in wrestling as a TV program. And I would, and he, I would genuinely put Chris Jericho. So I would drop. I would put Chris Jericho as my Mount Rushmore overall. But because I knew I was talking about him here, that's why he's not getting an extra point for me. I'm afraid. Oh, he's he's struggling for votes as well. You should have. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Chris, you've sorry. done him dirty there. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm open and honest that Jericho will always be my goat. I mean, even the the politics and the 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 the, the, the dodgy decisions aside, in terms of in the ring, there is nobody for me who has reinvented himself and kept himself relevant uh, as well as Jericho. And my favourite um, um, introduction to. Um, to a, uh, a new company was was Jericho when he came on Raw in '99. I think that's yeah, the, the the best entrance of of a of a, a wrestler ever. And yeah, he's uh, the pain maker, the suit wearer, the list of Jericho, biddable bleh. Um The guy's a marketing machine, and yeah, I think uh, without him in AEW, uh, we wouldn't be AEW. Certainly, would not be the company that it is today. Yep, agreed. Good pick. Okay, let's go back to me for my second. And which one of these do I uh, re go over? Um, for me, there's one standout, um, not particularly because of how uh, monumental it was in terms of that being a, a huge moment in wrestling, but for, for what it kind of uh, like signified, it kept, for me, it, it, it was the first time I really kind of realised that that maybe kayfabe was now becoming not a thing. So I'm going to go with Rick Rude. Mm. Um, Rude was one of uh, the the wrestling world's biggest stars uh, going through the early 80s until he, uh, he had to retire in the, the mid-90s. Former uh, Intercontinental Champion, WCW uh, International Heavyweight Champion, uh, United States Champion. And he came from that kind of uh, Minnesota hotbed uh, with the likes of Tom Zeng, Nikita Korolov, uh, Barry Darso and, and Mr. Perfect. Um, but in uh, November of 1997, for me, he, he destroyed Kayfabe when he defected from the WWF to the WCW. He'd actually come back to wrestling uh, in January of 1997. Uh, he'd, he'd stayed away for three years because he collected on a, a, an insurance policy, uh, which he had with Lloyds of London, and uh, he had to retire due to injury. Um, and he had a storyline with uh, Shane Douglas uh, and, um, and ECW uh, before doing a little bit of colour commentary over there. And he had a, a hand in uh, Jerry Lawler picking up wins in, in that kind of like tiny... Uh, WWF ECW crossover that was happening at the time but then we fast forward to August of 1997 and he returned to the WWF as uh, the insurance policy for the China Triple H and Shawn Michaels uh, a group that obviously we we now know as DX but they weren't uh, known as that at that time um, and whilst on screen he actually seemed like he fitted in with the group but apparently backstage it was it was all business. He didn't hang around with the guys after after the shows. He would only like, meet up with them for storylines and scripts. But then we get to the 9th of November uh, and something happened that made Rick Rude realise that he didn't want to work for this group. He didn't want to work for this company anymore. Um, he watched his uh, faction mates uh, take part in the, the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, and he was 100% in the camp of Bret Hart, and he felt that it was disgusting the way that the former WF champion had been treated, uh, and he was so disgusted that 
he rang Gary Bishop, who was the, the head of, of WCW, and, and told him what had happened and that he wanted out. So Rude told Bischoff that he wasn't actually even on a guaranteed contract and he was only being paid per appearance. Um, so the night after Survivor Series, Rick Rude turned up to WF tapings uh, and appeared on Raw with, uh, with the rest of DX. But Rick uh, was fully aware that those tapings wouldn't air until the next week, which was the 17th. Um, so at Raw, uh, coming from uh, Cornwall, uh, Ontario, he actually appeared uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, live on Nitro, uh, which was would have been a 12-hour drive, and uh, he was clean-shaven and, and and all he had was his mustache, but on Raw, he had a full-grown beard. Um, so in the ring, we had Bischoff and NWO proceed to absolutely shoot on Shawn Michaels, absolutely shoot on Vince, and, and just destroy uh, the, the the kayfabe world by, by slating uh, the two and, and, and slating the screw job. He also encouraged uh, Brett to come and uh, join WCW and the NWO. But um, to add a little bit of a, a little bit of an extra twist to this, uh, Rick Rude had also, like I mentioned earlier, he'd been working a little bit with uh, ECW. But ECW's show was actually syndicated, so it wasn't it wasn't shown live. It was on at different times in different markets. So Rick Rude became the only person in wrestling history to be on Raw, Nitro, and ECW TV all on the same night. So my pick is Rick Rude. <laughs> I was going to pick him. I generally was going to pick him, and for that reason, and it's just the shithouse level of it. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that he came in clean shaven. I love that man. I love stuff like that. As much as I'm a positive person, I do love a bit like I do love a evil like that. You know, you, you can't even go wrong there. I mean, that Bischoff tried to time it minute for minute that uh, when Rude would be on Raw and they'd be on Nitro at the same time, and I don't think they quite pulled it off. I think it was uh, it was out by a few minutes. But can you imagine how good that would have been to like be flicking down and going, "What the fuck is going on here?" Uh, but yeah, it was a massive moment for for KFM for me, and yeah, it's a a big moment of a, of a defection. Yeah, so it's a great pick. He he made the most of that defection for sure. And like I say, he's written himself into the history books. People people always remember that. People always talk about it. I didn't know he appeared on the ECW the same night as well. I didn't know oh, it was yeah. a. Yeah. Didn't know it was a freeway visual trick. I thought it was just yeah. a and two. one that could never happen again. Well, uh, not not at the moment. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with two of them dead and buried, I would assume it's probably never going to happen again. <laughs> that, that is the thing, though. Imagine that happening today. It would never. It would. It's impossible. I genuinely believe all the contracts and all that kind of stuff. Now, that'll be impossible to rectify. It will be impossible because I would. I would love to have been a fly in the wall in the WWE camp when that was. Uh, when that was found out anyway. Yeah, because I think least... I was the second. That was the second person. That was the second person because I think Macho Man as well. I believe. Uh, Vince was wondering where Macho Man was to do commentary, and then somebody went, "Vince, check uh, TNT. He's on. He's on a uh, Nitro." And Vince had no idea. He was trying to find them in the it, 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 it also happened with another one who uh, may come up, depending on whether vetoes are used later on. Uh, but Paul, is that staying on? It, yeah, it is staying on. And you, you, you were just saying, just saying, it couldn't happen again because of contracts and stuff. I mean, it was still. A bit of a shit show back then, wasn't it? And and it, like the Monday Night Wars couldn't happen again like that. 
you turn up for work and your talent wouldn't be there (laughs) it's it's stuff like this where Vince started insisting on no compete clauses being in the contracts uh, because he'd been essentially screwed over by so many uh, talents doing this and and working on handshake agreements that now he locks down everybody to a a contract yeah also back then he used sorry go for it no you can totally understand why yeah but back back then he had he you know wf were in financial problems as well so they couldn't even fight it even if even if there were contracts in place and they were being breached they didn't <laughs> they didn't have the money to fight it yep so right, if it's staying on let's go to you stuart for your final picture right how long have we got for this one because i love this one i love this one. <laughs> right so my my last pick is going to go to i'm scottish i'm a rangers fan so is Drew McIntyre. He's my boy. I'm picking Drew McIntyre, right? And and it's just it's for anyone who's listening to this who doesn't understand what Drew McIntyre has done to British wrestling, please, please, please look it up. Because if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be NXT UK. There wouldn't be nothing severely close to that. And it's generally, I believe, down to Drew McIntyre. So he's left WWE on on on. I wouldn't say bad terms, but it wasn't great terms in regards to what his personal life was going through. And for anyone who's watched this documentary on WWE Network, you understand why. So, to get a bit, bit, bit of backstory, ICW, something that I am so mad in love with, Insane Championship Wrestler, Mark Dallas from Glasgow, he's got an absolute gem on his hands with this. And Drew McIntyre was the very first ICW heavyweight champion. It was a heavyweight championship back then. So Drew McIntyre has left WWE. He's expecting a call from Mark Dallas. Doesn't receive it for the first few days because they're friends, which you can understand why. But then, and I've I've generally spoke to I I've spoke to a lot of people in ICW. Um, the the referee Thomas Cairns, um, Simon Cassidy, the the the, um, the announcer Billy Kirkwood, the um, commentator. They didn't know this was coming along. They didn't know Drew uh, Galloway was actually coming back, or Drew McIntyre, which I went to call him, was called Drew Galloway when he wasn't in WWE. The ring, so the lights have went out and it's come back and 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 uh, for people that have not seen it, he's got the hood over. Um, they don't know who it is. He takes the hood off. It's Drew Galloway. The place erupts. He's got a totally different look. If you remember when Drew uh, McIntyre was in three uh, MB, he was clean shaven. His chest was clean shaven. He was just he kind of looked like the pretty boy. Whereas this is now three four weeks later, he's now got a beard. He's now got like you know he's looking very. I don't care. He's looking masculine and stunning in my eyes. I love, I love him. Right, he's an absolute stud, and it just, just totally, just made a massive pop within not just ICW but British wrestling because they were thinking as a legitified superstar back, and then what he done with ICW was just unthinkable. He took him to a different heights. He took him to. He just took a mega star, and not just for ICW, for but for himself. So when what he done was he was getting the gigs, he was getting the contracts. He then he was he then became ICW heavyweight champion in 2015. He went over to New York, and it was Family Wrestling Championship. I think it was right in saying he fought Matt Hardy in New York for the ICW championship. He then made it the ICW World Championship. Something so small 
but it's actually when you think about it, it's huge, especially for a company like ICW. It's massive for them. But they're not just ICW. He goes to Evolve. He goes to Dragon Gate USA. He has his big run in Impact Wrestling. This is all because he's reevaluated himself and reinvented himself in the way he is. And now look at where he is. Now look today. Okay, he's not WWE champion, but what a year he's had. 2020 Royal Rumble winner, NXT former world champion, two-time WWE world champion. The guy is a legitimate superstar. And I genuinely, genuinely believe if it wasn't for his entrance back in ICW, none of this would have happened. And he's openly said, because he was going to Australia, he was going to America, he was going to Canada, he was fighting in Germany, he was fighting in wherever in, in Europe. He was the first travelling world champion since Ric Flair. And we were talking about how, um, how, how we were talking about Kurt Angle, how he was like, you know, Mr. Champion. At one point, so was uh, Drew Gallery. He had championships from Australia, had championships from Germany, had championships from the UK, Ireland, America, Canada, all these places around the world. And he was, and he was, he was, and the people he was wrestling against, Johnny Gargano, he was having tag team championships with him, uh, Marty Skirtle, Ricochet, you know, all these people that are now legit stars. The guy's just, in my opinion, the guy can't do anything wrong. And it all started, and if you've not seen it, if you've not seen Drew Galloway come back to ICW, please, please, please check out on YouTube. And it was it was just such a marvelous pop that was and 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 that's the thing about wrestling today. There's so much social media that a lot of things are no longer surprises. But when those little surprises do come along, they just change your whole the whole aspect on on and and these are the things why I love professional wrestling for little things like that. So that's my final, final pick is Drew Galloway or Drew McIntyre. It's a, a great pick, absolutely. It's a great pick. Uh, do you think um, he was saddled with a lot of pressure in his uh, is his initial WWE run with him being uh, labelled as the chosen one? Do you think that worked against him? I think, if I'm being honest with you, I think that didn't help matters. No, but if you actually think about it as well, he. He didn't really have a big. He he kind of. <laughs> I'm going to digress, but I talk about the X Factor a lot, and and the reason being Elton John. I'm a huge Elton John fan, but he hates the X Factor because what happens is people become stars overnight. They don't have the background of going through the clubs. They don't have the pubs. They don't have being heckled. This was exactly the same with Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway. Then he was very much. He went from, you know, uh, Irish Whip Wrestling and ICW straight into the big time. You know, he went straight into uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, but he was only there for a few weeks, and then he was on SmackDown. So you're looking at such a small career, and he's been expected to be the chosen one. So I think it's a bit of both. I think the expectations were far too high for him, and I think at the same time, you're a youngster, you've made your, you've made your dream, you're in the WWE, you're the, you know, the Intercontinental Champion, you're in your head thinking you've made it. You know, it, it, can, it can easily happen. People do have these perceptions that are incorrect and only through hindsight and maturity do you realise that you know you made a mistake as such or not a mistake but you know you could have done things differently yeah so it, it was a case of uh, too much too soon and he yeah. wasn't in the right kind of headspace to be the guy that he was pinned to be needed that breakaway like I said reinvent himself uh, come back and it's been the, the one of the best things in, in WWE for a hell of a long time Totally the most legitimate champ, champion that we've had in, in in since Brock Lesnar. It's as simple as that. He made I, Brock, I, Brock I, Lesnar, I, the, 
the match with Brock Lesnar absolutely made Drew Galloway a massive, massive star in it, and he's spent a year, uh, and and he's just been just the face of, of Raw. It's it's as simple and clear as that. During the hardest period ever, you know, nobody would have imagined. When you think about it, the, the one bit that made Drew Galloway, so I keep calling Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre legit was the Claymore to Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble 2020. Mm-hmm. I genuinely feel that Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar gets a lot of sleep, but see when he actually does want to give back to the company, there's no one better to give back than what Brock Lesnar can do. The two-minute sell from the Claymore, um, just all of that just totally made McIntyre look an absolute fucking star. Um, but then who would have imagined 12 months later he had to have two championships and not a single person has actually seen them live with the, with the, with the title. So as much as he's done such a great job in being a champion, you have to take your hat off and think what he's went through and still made himself look a great champion. It's just, you know, it's, it's such a... I, I can't speak high enough for about him, to be honest. And it's not because he's Scottish and Rangers fan, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it must have been so hard to be to be told you're going to be the the face of the of the the brand, but you haven't you can't get that fan reaction. You you basically performing to silence, and for him to still be able to get over his character and still be able to get over the emotion, I think that's testament to how good of a of a, a wrestler and how good of a character he is. And the one thing that I loved as well that was, if I believe it right, was, was wasn't meant to happen. He just done it on the off chance. Was when he he won the title of Lesnar at WrestleMania. It was the pointing at the camera saying thank you. Do you remember that? He generally just did that thinking they're going to edit it anyway. It's no problem. But that just kind of solidified how much he's went through from being three MB to being where he is on that moment and the, at the grandest stage of them all, albeit the Performance Centre, it is still WrestleMania. And, and in my eyes, I think it was one of the greatest WrestleManias considering what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And the, it, that, that reaching to the camera is just so emotional. It's such... It's, it's a, a face of somebody who has gone through a journey to get to where he was pinned to be a decade before. Yeah, it's a, a great story. Yeah, and, it, and the best thing is the story is not even over. He's going to no. be multi-time world champion uh, at the end of his career, which is fantastic. Because he's still at a good age as well, and he just looks a star. And 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 I, I keep saying it, but I genuinely like you know that emoji with the love hearts in the eyes. That's me when he comes out with the claymore and the kilt on every time. Yeah, I think it's like that when he sees uh, Flash Morgan Webster. <laughs> Well, Billy Kirkwood and I both agreed that we shag him, or he—I would let him shag us. One of the two. <laughs> I think it would probably be him doing the shag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great picking. A great round off to your man, Rushmore. Yeah. It's a solid pick. He's just got a great, great character. It would have been so easy to just give up mm-hmm. and totally. just let career, or not even, not even give up. Just, just go on the indies. Lose your shape a little bit and just get paydays because you you drew because you drew McIntyre. I mean, but, how many wrestlers have done that? How many wrestlers have got exactly. a certain level in WWE, coasted, and then dropped down and and lived off that gimmick for the? I mean, all these conventions, it's full of former WWE wrestlers, but yeah. Drew didn't accept that. He knew he he, he had to change. 
he, came, he went back, he reinvented himself and he's come back a better person from it. Yeah, and how, how many wrestlers have come back to this level? Once, once, they, once, they've, once they've messed up and been released once, has, has anyone come back and gone to the top of the company? I think if, people if, came if back, they have, it's a very short list. Yeah. I, people have came back, but I think the way he left, so like you can think of your Kurt Angles, you can think of Jeff Hardy, they've left and came back and won a championship, but the way he left was kind of like out the back door. You know, you're kind of like away and fix yourself where a lot of guys especially during that period where he had the problems with the alcohol he was very open and honest about how he had like like the party and that people would have fell off the wagon so much but credit to where he is and and look where he is now you know it's it's amazing to see flying the flag for britain you know because uh it's just, like I say, and, and not just that, you've got to look at British wrestling now. I genuinely believe, like I say, if it wasn't for Galloway, they wouldn't be where it, where it is now. now. And I genuinely believe that British wrestling right now is as high as it's ever been. And it's a lot to do because of um, of, of McIntyre Galloway. It's yeah. There's a, a lot of wrestlers who've been looking at him and thinking, I can now do it. I can now be WWF champion. I have to say, though, I was, I was speaking at Grado and he was telling a story about how uh, he came back after um, his first spell of uh, 3MB and they're walking down Glasgow Street and somebody stopped Grado and McIntyre and said, can I get a photo? And they went, yeah, of course. And the guy handed the camera to McIntyre and said, right, here, Grado, come on. <laughs> can you imagine looking at that photo now and thinking, oh, I could have had my photo when we drew McIntyre. Jesus. Grado went, Grado, wow. went, I'll be, Grado started going, I, I take, I'll be getting the one used to taking the photos now because there'll be no one in the photo of me now if you see two of them together. <laughs> that's, an amazing, that's an absolutely amazing story. Um, but, but, yeah, it's a great way to round off your, your Mount Rushmore. Um Tolly, potentially round our Mount Rushmore off. Yeah, well, I've got to go for we we, we you mentioned in if, your previous one. If it's another old Corgan, I'm ready to it. I'll just yeah. let you know. <laughs> it's just now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you mentioned it in your Rick Rude. It was a it was a moment so shocking that uh, that Rude handed in his resignation, and a lot of it pissed off a lot of wrestlers, um, and it. It was barely a defection, really. It wasn't. It didn't catch anyone by surprise, but it was uh, obviously Montreal screw job. Bret Hart defecting to WCW. Uh, he's still probably the most infamous, most compelling moment in wrestling history. Um, I've gone back reading kind of all the lead up to it today, and it's just it's amazing. And you, you see something new every time you look into the story. Um, and it, it's it's mad it ever it ever happened, but. Um, it did. Um, so, I'll take you back through a few of the things that led up to it, I guess. Um, so, obviously, we had uh, yeah, we had Bret Hart once. Once, once Hogan had left WWF, um, it kind of fell to Bret Hart and and I guess the Undertaker as well to 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 be the, the big stars in WWF, and and Hart really really took it on he really did become the the biggest star in wf and it led to him uh, in 1996 earning himself a 20-year contract with uh with wwe um and it was <laughs> probably a bit of a mistake by vince in that contract it gave him a 30-day notice period and creative control in those final 30 days which is probably the 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 starting point to to what led led to all this 
all this in certain of the clauses in the contract. Um, as in, come November 1997, he handed in that notice and uh, and then signed a signed a two year contract with WCW. Um, and the, the reason the reason Bret Hart gave for that was he was unhappy with the direction of WWF. He thought it was becoming smutty. He didn't. Uh, he didn't like the Attitude Era. He felt he couldn't watch it with his children anymore. He couldn't watch it with his dad anymore. Um, he just felt it just wasn't wasn't a product he could put his name to anymore. Um, that was exacerbated by by he, he hated Shawn Michaels. Really, they hated each other. Um, and obviously, it, the plan was for for him to drop the drop the world title to Shawn Michaels. In uh, in Montreal at Survivor Series, but Brett um, was 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 very keen to point out that Shawn Michaels was was never one particularly willing to do any of those jobs himself. He he famously kind of three times with the Intercontinental Title, not put someone over with it. He'd either left the company or got injured or walked out, threatened to threatened to resign. So so Brett just wasn't keen to to to, to leave to put Shawn Michaels over, particularly in Canada. Um uh, the, the way this came about was let's say Brett Brett had signed the the twenty year contract, but in September nineteen ninety seven Vince Vince approached uh Brett before a raw and asked him to renegotiate the contract and asked him if he could push half more than half of his salary out to the the back end of the contract because because WF were in were in financial trouble and um, not surprisingly Hart didn't agree um later later that month Vince approached Hart again and said and told him he was going to have to intentionally breach their contract together and that he should probably think about going to WCW because they'll be able to pay him pay him the money he wants so Vince was really at this stage trying to push Brett because the contract was too expensive and it was too much of a burden. Um, but Hart um, decided to, to exercise his, his reasonable creative control. And, uh, and he had one simple condition upon, upon his leaving and he, he wasn't going to lose the title to, to Shawn Michaels in Canada. He felt that the story they'd just been told, you remember this is 1997 with the, really hot Bret Hart angle where he was a Canadian hero, um, hated in America, but loved around the rest of the world. It was a, it was a gimmick that just really was really, really hot. And he said, all of, all of that story would be ruined if, if, uh, if his final act in, in WF was to, to lose to Shawn Michaels in Canada. Um, so throughout October, the negotiation, negotiations between McMahon, Hart, Michaels, and even Eric Bischoff, would take place regarding the timings of where, when what would happen when losing the title when he'd go to WCW and even up to the, the night in Montreal uh, the they didn't know what was going to happen in the match um so Hart and Michaels would agree amongst themselves on a on a DQ finish and uh, apparently they'd agreed on having like the most amazing match to send Bret Hart Brett Hart away kind of into the sunset. Um, obviously Brett was happy with this and that's what they went with. And and then Brett would hand Vince the title the title next evening on Raw. Um but instead, we know what happened. Uh Michaels put Brett Hart in a sharpshooter, as was supposed to happen. Earl Hebner was knocked out cold. 
in the corner of the ring, as Earl Hebner tended to be. Um, they agreed Brett would reverse reverse the sharpshooter, and then Owen and Bulldog would eventually run in, and more referees, and it would obviously just descend into chaos. There'd be a disqualification, but Earl Hebner pop, miraculously popped back up and uh, told told the uh, the the bell the the oh, what's the guy at the side? Timekeeper. Timekeeper to ring the bell. Vince very quickly echoed <laughs> to ring the bell, and Bret Hart had been screwed out of the title. Um, and it was just uh, even now watching it, it's, it, 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 like I said, it's just it's just insane to see it happen. You can't believe that this ever happened. Um, McMahon would obviously famously get knocked out cold by Bret in the showers <laughs> when he tried to go spat and explain on, to him. Spat on as well. Was that spat spat on in the immediate aftermath? Yeah. Brett writing WCW in the air, um, which the crowd seemed to seem to enjoy, um, which kind of been a which must have been a worrying sign for for Vince at the time, and like I say, even even kind of Vince's most loyal subjects were, were angry at him. The Undertaker confronted him. Um, Earl Hebner had apparently ran out of the arena and got into a car that was waiting for him, mm-hmm. took him away, and he had the next night off of Raw. <laughs> when Brett confronted Shawn Michaels, he he swore blind he had nothing to do with it. Um, he, and you'll see, you'll you'll see, Brett. I refuse to carry the title on Raw tomorrow. I won't say anything bad about you. Wait, wait until tomorrow. You'll see. I was no part of it. And obviously, we know Shawn Michaels did carry the title into the next Raw, and he did bad mouth Bret Hart. Um, and clearly was uh, a part of what went down. Um, absolutely, he was. Absolutely, <laughs> he was. <laughs> and you just got you just got to put it on it because what 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 could have been kind of an amicable parting of ways, a celebration of Bret Hart, what Bret Hart did in WWF, turned into just most ill-spirited of defections. Um, but like I say, just 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 infamous. Yeah, I put this. Tw- I put this on. I don't know if you've seen it. I put it on Twitter on Saturday about this, about the Montreal screw job and who was right, who was wrong. I've had a few of them saying it was a work, and I have to say, by the way, this it's just too ridiculous to rule that out, in my opinion. You, you can't rule it out. I mean, the only people who genuinely know are the people involved. And yeah. uh, both sides are uh, adamant that the other is in the wrong. So, I mean... If, it, if it's it, a work... It could have been a... Yeah, if it's a work, it's too well done. Like, you see the, the additional security start turning up and stuff like that. And I just don't think they'd be able to orchestrate it that well without them mm. doing it for real. Mm. The other thing as well, though, is that, that, that ironically, that ruined WCW uh, in, in regards to how they perceived Bret Hart when he went over, because from right in saying, they, they, they try to rectify or replicate the, the um, Montreal Screwjob several times on WCW television, and it kind of went with Bret over. It's fine, it went with Bret for the rest of his career, let's be honest. Um, but the fact that they kept trying to replicate, and I believe in saying that that was why Brett became a referee in the Sting match against Hogan because they were trying to do a, a, a Montreal screwjob and they kind of just, they just didn't know what to do with them. They didn't know what to do with them and they thought that was the best thing to keep, you know, 
reminiscing on his WWE career, which in theory was not the right thing to do, Brett. You could have just let him run with the title like he was in WWF. Yeah. And and, and if it didn't happen, he wouldn't have uh, been injured by uh, the kick from uh, Goldberg. He wouldn't have had to retire early. And he wouldn't have spent so many years stewing about what happened and really kind of being bitter towards uh, uh, towards wrestling, not just of doing read towards wrestling in general. Um, yeah. It really kind of ate away at the gaffer for years and years, um, and all happened because Vince tried to tie him down to a, a long term contract that he could ill afford. And he, he still hates, sorry, but he still hates like people that were involved because I'll never forget Triple H against Undertaker at WrestleMania 28, Hell in a Cell. Bret Hart gave that a 4 out of 10. I'm sorry, but if that was anybody else in that match except Triple H or Sean, he would have gave it a lot higher than that. But because those two are in it, he's he hates them. He still hates them today. I don't care what happened on that Raw 2010. There is still very much bad blood between them. Yeah, he, 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 does, he does hate them. And I think it just it just it clearly does just go back to that. He you know, he was the star of the show, he was the biggest thing back in ninety six, ninety seven. And but but Vince clearly wanted it to be shown. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know I don't know if that, I don't know if that was because he viewed Sean as a future or Sean was a cheaper future, I don't know. Oh, he had so much power backstage that Brit never. Brett was very much a yes man, let's be honest, but Sean yeah. was <laughs> going back to our favourite friend there, Shane Douglas. He found out the hard way what Shawn Michaels can do backstage. Um, and Brett wouldn't do that. Brett would do what's best for business, whereas Shawn would do what's best for Shawn. Um, which, yeah. in theory, is why he wasn't in my top uh, four, my Mount my, 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 my Rushmore, purely because of his attitude in, in those eras. You know, was it a, when was it they had the Ironman match? Was it WrestleMania 12? Uh, yeah. yeah. So the WrestleMania 13 was supposed to be. Sean replicating that and giving it to Bret Hart. He was supposed to go over, but all of a sudden he loses his smile and has to vacate the title. You know, just little yeah. things like that. Yeah. I, I watched a, a Call to Holly video recently, and it was on about um, Sean Michaels' uh, run with the titles in the WF, and he's actually dropped more titles um, uh, in terms of like, giving them up than being pinned or submitted for him. He, yeah. he only ever got pinned for titles like three times in his career, and yet he dropped them five times because he didn't want to do the job to people. It's not and, a surprise, and, what, and I, I guess those those were latter latter in his career as well. He was probably the losing ones. Yeah, well, one of one of those three was uh, I mean, when Undertaker said he's going to kick the shit out of him unless he drops it. Austin, at WrestleMania yeah, yeah, uh, fourteen. I mean, one of the more infamous ones, and it yeah. shows how how evil of a uh, of a politician he was was the the european championship with a with a uh, bulldog uh bulldog's uh, sister i think uh, had cancer and he wanted to win it uh, as a as a testament to her and and, and sean came with oh no it'll uh it'll be much, so much more if you if you let me win uh win it and then uh, you can you can beat me for it, and that never happened. He uh, he won the title, kept hold of it, and then dropped it uh, to Triple H, which is just absolutely ridiculous how that went down. Yeah, it was it was so bad for for politics in in his first run anyway. Um, then he found God. Luckily, he kind of redeemed himself. Yeah, when he when he found when he found Jesus. <laughs> but it's something I found in researching this today. Uh, going back over it. And this is something I've not come across before, and I don't know if you've come across it. Um, Bret Hart wrote an open letter to Shawn Michaels 
in the um, in the Calgary Sun newspaper about a month before Survivor Series. And you talk about pipe bombs. Uh, this this is one of the best pipe bombs I've ever read. I I could read it to you. It's quite long. So, but I, I suggest you, you, you go Google it. Go find it. Go find it. And it is uh, Bret Hart's open open letter to Shawn Michaels, and he, it, it 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 definitely breaks down the fourth wall. And it, and it, and it um, it's nasty. <laughs> does it does it does it deservedly nasty? But I I I've never seen it before. Um, and I was uh, using. I got was using this uh, Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer annual from 1997, and some of the stuff they've got in here from 1997 is amazing, and it's got it's got that letter reprinted in there, and I, I he, he went for the throat. I sorry, I need to give an honorable mention by the way to Jeff Jarrett. He he was going to be in my top top four just for the shit house level of him going between WWF and WCW on several occasions like a fucking tennis ball. <laughs> I have to just mention him because I just love what he did. He, he was all about money and he done he done everything right. He was just shit house level to the absolute highest standard. Sorry, I just had to put that one in there. He's someone who, uh, who I spoke about on another podcast recently, and he gets a lot of grief uh, because of uh, what, when he left uh, after the the good housekeeping match with Chana. Uh, he, he gets a lot of a uh, kind of shit to say he held Vince McMahon up for money, but he actually didn't. He saved Vince McMahon a hell of a lot of money with that match. He basically what he, uh, he was owed would be the his um, fees for that September, uh, no August, September, um, October. Um, but he said, cut me a cheque for 300000 which was like a half of what he would have been due, uh, and we'll, we'll just like, end it amicably like this. And Vince was happy to do that, but then it, Vince let out the story that he'd been held up just just to, as like shitting on someone on the way out, like Vince uh, tends to do. But yeah, uh, Jarrett took a lot of grief for that, and he was only basically doing a favour and kind of like trying to cut tires off cleanly rather than, than, than wait for checks to come through. I've been lucky enough to have an interaction with uh, Jeff Jarrett three emails and that, and I have to say, he's one of the, he seems one of the nicest guys as well. Going, he's just a genuine, genuine nice guy, um, and someone that doesn't get the respect he deserves in regards to the wrestling world because for what he's done in 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 regards to wrestling is just you know he, he's just, the guy's just an absolute genius in my eyes. I've got a lot. He's one of them again that you don't actually respect until you, it's too late and you have to now look back on his career. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I've got a lot of time for Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I mean, former member of Bullet Club. Can't go wrong with that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Albeit for like a month. But anyway, he was still part of it. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, I can't, in good conscience, veto the Montreal's good job for it just because of how, how big of a moment it was in wrestling. I mean, I, the the picks I had left were Lex Luger uh, when he showed up on, on Natro, uh, which was... Monumental, and that was that for me. That's the the actual start of the Monday Night War. That's when that's the first real shot across the bow from from Nitro. Yeah, and then, I, sorry, why was that done in a, a shopping centre? I can't remember that. Oh, it's because it was the first time that uh, Nitro was being held, uh, and it was the first live, and and Eric Bischoff wanted it to get as many uh, eyes on it as possible, and. The, the shopping centre that they were in was uh, called the Mall of America. It was Then it was the world's biggest shopping centre. Um, so it, it was just kind of like the uh, the spectacle of it. Always reminds me of that in Dexter Night Takeaway. You know, you always see the computer in that. 
<laughs> you know, that just always reminds me of the, that night to really, I was expecting Lex Luger just to walk out with that shitty shirt on and start doing that stuff. I mean, to be fair, Bischoff did have a history of like giving away big shows like that. I mean, how many times did they run Bash at the Beach, which was on an actual beach? Uh, the Sturgis rallies with a Hogwilder and Roadwild where the Barkers had, didn't even have to pay for a ticket. Yeah, uh, he loved giving away stuff like that. Uh, the other uh, one I had was obviously Ric Flair going to WWF, all that stuff with uh, yeah. taking the belt and and um, Jim Hurd kind of uh, shitting on him on the way out and, and wanting to call him Spartacus and making him cut his hair and stuff like that. And then we got the, the, the WCW towel on WWF TV, which later on down the aisle uh, actually led to WWE, uh, WCW doing the same thing with uh, the women's towel with... Uh, with uh, Alundra Blaze and Medusa, so uh, they were the the other two picks that uh, I would have ponied up. Yeah, I had fl- I had Flair, exactly exactly the same one. The, the Spartacus mm-hmm. is ridiculous. <laughs> who who tries to repackage the Nature Boy? Yeah, and and the fact that um, they they fired him as he was setting off to go to a match to drop the belt, it, it was just just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but. The one I was going to put yeah, on so, was, uh, Mike, Mike Awesome when he moved to WCW from ECW and the whole background story with Taz and you know in that bingo hall when he had to drop the ECW title and that just that was a mad story. With, with security and he he literally had to leave after the match because he weren't getting out of that show alive. Those ECW fans were hardcore. However, um, if you remember as but, well, 2005 when he came back, he still was not forgotten about that. He was he was no. not he was not the nicest person to be. Well, they weren't really put, they weren't as um, forthcoming as other wrestlers were with Mike Awesome. Yeah, they they did not forgive. They certainly <laughs> did not forgive. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the other one I had was was Moxley, because that yeah, was just, yeah. that was just electric when he showed up. Well, I can't remember. Which, was it double or nothing? Double or nothing, yeah. For me, it was either going yeah. to Moxley or Jericho, but I just thought Jericho has given too much more for AW than what Moxley has. That's what yeah, and I, I agree on that. I think Jericho's done more. I think the moment, the the, the moment that Moxley appeared was yeah. far greater. It was just 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 yeah. amazing, just amazing. And it was weird the, the way WWE played all that when he was leaving. They were yeah. just very very nice to him. Nonchalant, <laughs> yeah. Nice yeah, yeah, I think that that whole releasing of a um, the press release saying that he, uh, Jonathan Good his uh, contract runs out in so and so. I think that was a play to maybe pluck at his heartstrings and and get him to resign. Uh, but clearly it didn't work. And what I do respect about him, he, he didn't shit on the company on the no. way out. He, he he did he did everything that they asked him to do, even the stuff that he absolutely hated, uh, the stuff with the, the the syringe and calling people smelly and wearing gas masks. He said on uh, the Way Keller podcast he hated every second of it, uh, and he tried pitching all these other ideas, and he was just getting nowhere with them. Um, and he, he lost his love for the business. I mean, everybody's seen the the, the uh, Stone Cold um, Broken Skull sessions with, with him, and you can tell there he didn't care anymore. He wasn't in love with wrestling. And AEW and, and New Japan has, has certainly kind of like rekindled that love for him. So, yeah, it, it, that would have been a, an absolutely brilliant pick as well. And also, he's not shot on WWE since he's went over like others have. That's one thing with AEW that I didn't like is the fact that they just keep on nitpicking at WWE. Just, you know, focus on your own product and, you know, just rather than 
constantly have a like nip backle with with another company. John Moxley's went over there. He's been John Moxley. He's not meant. He's okay. Dean Ambrose to be mentioned a couple of times, but not from him. And uh, yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of admiration, and I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with him next. We know what's going to happen because he's having a burn. I mean, when he comes back from that, we, we, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point I, I, as well. I, I refer to him as John Moxley, whereas most people who leave WWF, I I never change their name. Like you, Ty Dillinger is not Sean Spears to me. He's still Ty Dillinger. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but but Rusev, I, not Miro, is Rusev. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I, I'm not someone who was aware of John Moxley before he became Dean Ambrose, so I haven't got like that tied to him before. But he's completely, yes, you are John Moxley. Soldier. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the good thing is, he's, he's said in interviews, I think it was with Chris Van Vliet, that the door is not closed with WWE. He said he would, if the situation was right, he would go back there and he's not burnt any bridges, which no. nowadays in wrestling, I mean, a lot of AEW people who've come over from WWE have burnt that bridge. They have uh, like shat on the company, and, and he's certainly been one who, who hasn't. So, yeah. yeah, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of time for, for John Moxley, and, and it, it, just this passion for wrestling is back. Yeah, yeah you can see it in him. Ne- never say never. You've got, you've got to think, what would Hogan do? He's got impact to bring of honour. <laughs> I'm expecting to see Hulk Hogan at AEW one day. I'm, I'm genuinely being serious there. I'm expecting to see it. He's been everywhere else. He would absolutely do it. He would 100% oh, do it. He's doing the shot, yeah. I like that. Talking about uh, John Moxley when he left, the only person I can think of that had that came, kind of same you know, release in regards to being nice about it was Matt Hardy because remember, he was, he was, it was well known that he was going to be leaving for about four weeks, six weeks before and then Randy Orton wrote him off and there was all that speculation of whether he'd be coming back to WWE and NXT or whether he'd be going to AEW. And obviously, he, he, that's the one thing about COVID that really annoys me. I'd love to have seen the pop with Brooklyn Matt Hardy arriving at AEW. But obviously, that will never be now. Yeah. Yeah, that is a shame. It is. Um, Those have been two really top quality Matt Rushmore's. Uh, what we need from you now, Stuart, sir, is uh, we need a topic for a future oh. guest. So I'm, oh. I, I've, 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 uh, I, I, I'm going to go on the, on the theme of John Moxley and Kenny Omega. How they've got this mad barbed wire death match coming on at Revolution. It's not for everyone's cup of tea. I understand. Oh, ridiculous! <laughs> I fucking love it. I genuinely love it. I am so excited for it. So my, my, my one for you next week will be the top, the Mount Rushmore of hardcore wrestlers. Interesting. Love it. I mean, that's gonna be a good one. It's been. Hardcore wrestling has been going since since the dawn of wrestling, pretty much. So there's definitely a a lot to go at. Um, so yeah, I'll be uh, looking forward to to researching that and seeing what we come All up right. with. I'm looking forward to hearing your uh, your uh, picks. I've got my match on my head. I'm not going to tell you, obviously, but I will. Uh, I'll, I'll DM you at a later stage once I've heard the show. But looking forward to what you're going to come up with that anyway. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh... I can't wait for the barbed wire match. I know you don't like it, Dan. I don't give a shit. I love it. I mean, I it's it. not that. It's not even that I don't like it. I think my issue is AEW came with. Uh, we are going to be different to the WWE. We are going to be uh, sports centric. Wins and losses matter. Um, all that stuff. And slowly over time, I felt that they become. WWE like I mean that's not a bad thing I'm a massive WWE or I was a massive WWE fan and I, I think the ring quality uh, the work is 
is one of the best that we've got around now. It's just the the if you're going to kind of slate WWE, don't do the same things that WWE are doing. That's that's my issue with it. That's all I mean. Yeah, I think I the match will be fun. I really think it'll be fun. It's just it doesn't fit with how AW presented themselves as a company at the beginning. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they I think they're already finding though. It depends what they want to be. If they want to be, if they genuinely want to be the biggest wrestling company in the world, and I assume that is probably Tony Khan's ambition, I think they're already finding that they have to be more like WWE yeah. because, because yes, they can compete with NXT and they could beat NXT on a Wednesday night. They're no, they're nowhere near competing with, Bro. with the main shows, mm-hmm. and they won't be because that is that is the type of wrestling that's popular. They've already captured the 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 hardcores. But but once you've captured yeah. them, there's there's no more to capture. We're we're all already uh, there. Yeah. They're, they're anti, they've got the basically. I would say AW's sixty percent anti WWE fans, forty percent wrestling fans. That's the way I see it anyway. And I genuinely believe that sixty percent isn't going to leave. They could put on a, a a proper WrestleMania show, Survivor Series show. The anti the anti the anti WWE pro AW fans. They're going to love it regardless. It's trying to capture that other amount now, and trying to you know because they're, they're they're I I love AEW. I'm I'm not slating AEW by any way, shape, or form, but they're kind of they're they're maintaining a level. They're not rising. They're just maintaining. It's, it's, it's it. almost a, a stagnant. They become yeah. Stagnant. It's like a glass ceiling. It's like a glass ceiling. They can't get through just now, and and I understand why they're doing it because, like what you said, Dan, how you want it to be anything that WWE aren't doing. WWE are not going to do barbed wire matches, so I understand that concept. I also understand that it's going to get maybe some CZW fans or some like proper deathmatch fans who aren't, aren't tuned in, they might want to watch it. Um, I get that. And it's just, it's and it, again, going back to the big show scenario, you know, they're, they're getting people talking about their product. You know, whether it's positive or negative, people know. I mean, 90% of wrestling fans know that Revolution is going to be a barbed wire explosion match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Can anyone tell me what the next NXT, you know, pay per view is going to be? Can anyone tell me what the next WWE pay per view is going to be? You know what I mean? I, I understand that they're not being discussed yet. Are, you, I mean, are like, you saying you're not looking forward to Fastlane? That eight-star pay-per-view. How dare you? You know what really annoys me about that, right? See, going back, it was Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania. Where the fuck's Fastlane came from? It didn't need Fastlane. It did not need Fastlane. Yeah, completely unnecessary. The the other thing I think about AEW, obviously we've got all the talk about the Forbidden Door opening. Mm -hmm. Kazuchika Okada, my favourite wrestler in the world, Kazuchika Okada, he's not going to get any more viewers to AEW because all the Kazuchika Okada fans are already watching it. Yeah. Um, it, it is going to be a big show is going to bring more, bring in more viewers than, than Okada would. However, they've just announced that Shaquille O'Neal is fighting Cody Rhodes next week and I'm a mixed gender tag match. Yeah. But that'll get viewers. <laughs> NBA. Well, um, the the best thing if if AEW are serious about really pushing and, and breaking into that uh, stronghold of WWE, you need to get those WWE fans to turn, and they will turn when you put in on a product that they are used to, that they know. Um, unfortunately, as 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 passionate as we are on wrestling Twitter, ninety percent of WWE fans are not on Twitter. 
they don't yeah. they don't know Twitter from from Adam. They don't know what's going on. They're not in this cool group that we're in, I suppose. So they don't know Kenny Omega. They don't know uh, what Cody Rhodes is up to. They need a big move like Big Show or even so, someone like Randy Orton, someone who who they can go, wow, I know him from WWE. Let me yeah. go and see what's happening over on AEW. And that's yeah. how, how they draw. And you have to be like WWE to be able to compete with WWE. Well, it does annoy me, though, as you got likes of Arn Anderson saying, you know, having a, what's the guy's name? Bunny, Bad Bunny. I feel so old, but I have no idea who Bad Bunny is, by the way. But anyway, he's saying, like, you know, having people like that is is, is stupid. That that, that totally tarnishes your uh, your company. Whereas now, he's going to be walking to the ring on Wednesday with Cody Rhodes against Shaquille O'Neal. So is that not yeah. the popcorn the kettle black there? Yeah. And the best part of that was when he said, if these people aren't wrestling fans, what they're doing in our business, Bad Bunny is a massive, massive uh, wrestling uh, fan. He's brought, <laughs> he did a song called Booker T, for fuck's sake. Okay. He, he loves wrestling. He's got he's got the four uh, best-selling uh, pieces of merchandise currently in WWE. The guy loves wrestling, uh, and that's how you build uh, a, a fan base, by drawing in those mainstream yeah. WrestleMania 1, just look at WrestleMania 1 card. Muhammad Ali, bloody, um, what's the boy, Liberace, you know. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's Cap- how wrestling Captain became. Captain Lou Albano. Or... Captain Lou Albano, yeah. But that's how wrestling became what it is today because of the rock and wrestling. Simple exactly. as that, you know. Why change things? That, what, I would say, if it's not broken, don't change it. No. Arn Anderson would never have signed Thunder Lips from Rocky Free. <laughs> <laughs> or Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> Or L- LT Taylor, or whatever you were called. <laughs> well, Stuart, this has been great fun. I've absolutely loved this. I'm oh, so wow. glad that you uh, you agreed to come on the show. Um, tell everybody where they can get out of you on uh, social media um, and get involved in the, uh, the conversations that you that you start there. Sure, I'll just talk over your washing machine if that's all right. Um, so yeah, I saw loud in it. That what it was. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at. You just got your coffee five minutes ago. I noticed that. I know. Yeah. Well... You have to get your coffee for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, s lawson one four one seven. That's s lawson one four one seven. What you're going to find there is, like Darren said, there's a lot of discussions. I like having chats. I like hearing everyone's opinion. Every opinion does matter to me. Um, we have fun with polls. We have fun with discussions. It's not just wrestling. We've got movies, sports, computer games, everything. Just, you know, anything that pops into my head goes on our Twitter page. And, uh, yeah, it's just let's have some fun. Everything is all good in my hood. That's really me in a nutshell. And apologies if I went too long, by the way. I realised the time and I thought, holy shit, what's happened there? Absolutely not a problem. The, the longer the better for us. We love, uh, love the stories. We love the, the, the debate. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fine. Love it. We uh, love tangents. I love, I love the ones it. that go off yeah. in tangents. Uh, and, uh, I've had an absolute blast, guys. So thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's been brilliant. You are more than welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tyler, your favourite time of the week, though. Yeah, well, I've got a good excuse to get through it quick tonight because because uh, we have we have gone on a bit, haven't we? <laughs> so so um, 
you can, you can follow us over on Twitter. He's at, he is at Dej Kirkby, D-E-J Kirkby. I'm at Rain Counter. We're both at Badlands Pod. And we're both on a, a range of different kinds of podcasts. And if you go to your po- favorite podcast provider and type in the following, you'll find you'll find them and lots of other cool um cool uh, content creators as well so if you go over and you subscribe to visionaries global media um darren's got plenty on there they're all good fun to listen to um you subscribe to five nerds go i'm over there darren's usually with me as well uh shooting the sports ish if you if you, if you want to go venture away from wrestling and into the more um real sports world if you like oh. um, <laughs> and, that's real to me damn it <laughs> and of course on Cheershot Radio uh, where you can find our newest um, Badlands episodes every single Thursday um, if you enjoyed it subscribe and listen again next Thursday we'd love to have I, your ears you're missing one sir you are missing one. Oh, oh, love wrestling. wrestling love wrestling yeah yes. go over and check or check out Follow at follow Love Wrestling at Love Wrestling and um also um check out the YouTube page um on Sunday, Sunday brunch. Me and me and Darren will be uh, appearing on that every every now and again. We're really excited to be doing that. So plenty of stuff there. Go follow all that and like it and subscribe it and whatever else you need to do to to boost our profile. <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh always use your head we'll we'll speak to you next week the chairshot.com Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.